Oh, that's hot. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Ashley. <laughs> Our taste buds are gone. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of YA at Heart. <laughs> Where we read books and burn off our taste buds. <laughs> all right. All right. Let it go. <laughs> um, Today... We are going to be going over A Court of Frost and Starlight. We read the whole book all the way through. It's been a while since like I've read such a small book and finished right? it in like a day or two. It really surprised me. I like by the time I got to the end, I was like, oh, is that it? I was like, there's got to be more. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's a very, very small book compared to all of the other books in the series. Yeah. As Ashley was saying before, it's kind of like a novella. Yes. And- I have to say right off the bat, I was not that invested. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was invested. I was invested. I think it was two different experiences. Like Morgan texted me and she was like, I'm having a really hard time getting through certain things. I was like just flying through stuff, trying to get to the end. I feel like she spent a lot of time on description of things that we already knew about. Like, for example, she would spend time describing like the things that they were seeing. And I'm like, I do not need a whole paragraph of how this certain place looks. We're already in Valaris. I already know what the deal is. Get to the point, Sarah. Um... There was also a couple of times where she would introduce Vasa when they would be talking about her, for example. She'd be like, oh, yeah, Vasa, the queen that was betrayed by the other mortal queens. Vasa, the bird of of fire and flame. Vasa, the one who was captured by the sorcerer. I'm like, bitch, I already know this. Move on. Like it was repetitive stuff. And I like sitting there, I'm like, okay, but we read the book prior. So we know what went down with these characters. We know their backstory. If you're not going to elaborate a little more into certain things, you know what I mean? Then you don't got to keep being repetitive about stuff that we already know. Exactly. And that kind of makes me think like as well, when was the time frame or how long was the time frame between A Court of Wings and Ruin and A Court of Frost and Starlight? Oh, you mean like how long it took her to to write the? Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the timeline in the book. No, no, because I know it's like I know it's like um a couple of months or a year or whatever after the the war. But I'm just saying in terms of like when she released it, because that would make sense of why she was being so repetitive. She's like, oh, well, if you haven't read A Court of Wings and Ruin in a while, then let me Here, just you, you here's know. like a refresher. Yeah, I also felt really weird reading this book during the summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, give me big Christmas vibes. But I think the reason for that is because they put such an emphasis on the festival, the winter solstice. And so I think that was the reason why it felt like, oh, I should be reading this during like the winter hours instead of, you know, during summertime. Yeah, exactly. I do also want to bring up multiple point of views in this book, oh my which God, that was really best. cool. Um, but chapter seven, Reese's point of view, when he's talking about like the Illyrian rebellion and stuff and oh, Tamla not protecting yeah, yeah. his borders. Yeah. I really thought that, that was going to be emphasized more in the book. That's mm-hmm. where I kind of started to gain interest. Like, oh, okay, there's like some shit happening. There's some shit going on. And then it just kind of fell by the wayside. I think, I think that the reason that all was brought up because it's a setup for A Court of Silver Flames. Now, if you read this book, You've read about, okay, so there has been a little bit of an Illyrian rebellion. People are trying mm-hmm. to be like, oh, we lost soldiers. And that was because as Reese 
and Cass did it on purpose. Like, that's what they were claiming. Which is complete bullshit. It's like, if you're a warrior and you're a soldier and you're going to war... Like that, that is your job. Job. It's your duty. It's not like I pulled you out for some bullshit on a dummy mission. Exactly. And so that's what they were saying was like, they did it as out of revenge because of how they were treated as children at the camp. Then with Tamlin, it was a lot of um, basically like, oh, Tamlin's not, not protecting his borders. Now that the wall's gone, the only thing that's separating the human lands from all the rest of Perinthian is Tamlin Spring Court and Tamlin has Tamlin has done he's just been like fuck it I don't even want to I don't want to live bruh jumping into Tamlin in this so bad for Tamlin my god like he is a hollow of a man of a man he hasn't shaved he hasn't combed his hair there's like literally nobody at the manor. It's not upkept thorns and roses all over the goddamn thing. So basically, he is turned into the, the beast. beast. And he is just like self-wallowing, self-pity and all that shit. It's like, I felt really bad, especially when Reese was like, oh, I should kill him. It's so easy to do right now. And he should suffer for what he's done. And I'm like, bro, yes, he should suffer for what he's done. And he is suffering, but don't kick him while he's down. And two... Did he not somewhat redeem himself in that last book where he saved your fucking life and saved Feyre's life? Like, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't be like that. That was what I didn't like. And Morgan also mentions it. And so does Cassian. They're like, oh, we should kill Tamlin. I'm like, bro, let it go. But then Lucian comes in and Lucian being the person of reason is like, you guys should not be kicking a man while he's down. And he was like, mark my words, you're going to need Tamlin at some point. He's like, do not do this. Lucian, the only one with some fucking common sense in this bitch. It's because, it's because, like I said, Lucian isn't like everybody. Lucian doesn't see everything the way everybody else does. Everybody, not that everybody is closed minded, but everybody is just kind of like tunnel vision. Yes. And Lucian is like, no, we need to look at the bigger picture. We need to look at all of Corinthian, not just this one focus. And it's what I've been saying from like the very beginning. This is why I like Lucian so much. And like, I'm like baby Lucian all the way type of stuff. Because to me, he's the one character so far that is very level-headed. Yes. And I'm like, granted, I love everybody. They have their own quirks. They have their own little, you know, traits that make me sit and be like, oh, I love this and I love that. And oh my God. And you know, that type of thing. But forever and a day, the hill I will die on is with Lucian. This is why when we get to Elaine, I just sit there and I'm like, fuck her. Cause I can't, I can't fucking deal. Well, so let's, let's go ahead and talk about Elaine. Let's go ahead okay. and talk about her. I do not have enough words in my arsenal to describe this dumb bitch. In the end of Akko War, we saw her and Lucian making real progress at some type of friendship, at least. And now in this book, it seems like it's completely done a 180. Yep. She won't talk to him. She won't even look at him. Completely ignores him while he's in the room. Her fucking words were, because Feyre is trying to play peacemaker. Setting up the scene is, he came by, he dropped off the solstice presents for Feyre and Elaine. This also shows that he has a deep affection for Feyre. The fact that, like, he came out and he, like, brought her a gift and, you know, that type of thing. Like, this is his friend. And so- 
To me, Alexandra was like, okay. Elaine immediately finds some type of excuse to get out of the room. She doesn't want to be in there at all. So Feyre ends up talking to Lucian. She finds out a couple things. He actually stays with Vasa and Jurin in in the human um portion of Perithian because it's just, that's where he feels the most safe. That's where he honestly has developed a friendship with Jurin and Vasa. What ends up happening is Elaine dips and right. then... She ends up walking to where um, Elaine is, which is in the kitchen. And she tells Elaine, like, you couldn't give him, like, two minutes of your time. Like, you couldn't just chill and, and like, talk to him for just a little bit. And Elaine, I, mm, it pissed me off so much when she said, oh, he thinks he's entitled to my time. I was like, back up. I was like, back up. Because not once, not once did Lucian make it seem as if he was entitled to her time being her mate. Ever. But the thing is, she is a stick up her ass. First of all, bitch, he don't even want to be with you. Let's start there. Let's start there. He's being nice. He's trying to be cordial with you. And you're being, you're just going so far out of your way to do the opposite, to treat him less than. So it it doesn't make sense the way that you're acting. Not at all. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Never has been my favorite character. She is at the bottom of my list. If Lucian decided to reject the mating bond and go with Vasa, I would be more than thrilled. More than thrilled. The only other thing, though, is I don't want Elaine to end up with anybody else. If Lucian rejected the mating bond, I don't want Elaine to end up with Az. No. I don't. She doesn't deserve him. What I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is that Lucian rejects the mating bond and then Azriel finds his mate. And so she's just stuck. That would be... So she just stuck like, what about my happy ending? Fuck, Fuck you. you. Basically. Speaking of mating bonds and love, Amran and Varian. <laughs> oh my God. Not this bitch being like, Varian's coming, so deal with it. <laughs> Yo, okay. The thing with Amran, she never had to really have manners. And Ever. It's very obvious. And so this book... <laughs> made it even more obvious when she just basically tells everybody like Varian's coming and that's it. Like, hey, is it cool if Varian comes? Like, right. is everybody She's okay like, with I'm it? not asking. <laughs> I'm telling. And I was just like, okay, Amran. Okay. <laughs> I was like... Another funny thing about her in the book is her learning how to eat and her talking about how she doesn't know how to pee. Yo, when this came out like, in the book, what? I was like, hold up. I was like, are we really talking about the fact that this chick doesn't know how to use the toilet? And yes. I had to re- reread over it. And I was like, oh, she really don't know how to use the toilet. I was like, what the fuck did she do? Right. She's like, I know <laughs> how it works. I just don't know how it comes out and how to do certain things. Oh, my God. I was like, and then she's like, what? are you no. standing or peeing yourself? <laughs> and then she talks about, like, she never had to deal with the other effects that food causes. I was like, Aaron. Mm, I was like, Amran. Yeah, because she only drank blood, so she didn't have to go to the bathroom at all. So this is or all new for her. Or anything like that, right? I want more of that comedic relief in A Court of Silver Flames. I need it. Facts. <laughs> oh, we also get Moore's perspective. That was new. Yeah, we get a couple chapters from her perspective about her interaction with Eris and her dad, which really wasn't anything new. We kind of already know how she feels about that situation. Yeah. The only reason why I bring it up is because she goes to, I guess, her her place of solitude, which is um, somewhere that she owns in the woods. She and her horse encounter this dark shadow in the woods. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I wanted it to be explained more. Is this Braxis? Is Braxis out there? Oh my God, is Braxis back? He's just chilling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Braxis is just in the woods watching her like, go, go. Oh my God. So the way I pictured it was I pictured Moore's residence because we never knew that she owned property. She always ever slept over um, the one, the townhouse or the house of wind. And so like we never really knew that she owned actual property. And even she says it, she doesn't like being alone. And yeah. some, but some days, you know, you need alone time to like recharge and stuff. And so that's what she has the property for. I pictured Scotland and a castle. That's what I pictured mm. for more. Okay. I didn't picture a castle, but I did picture um maybe like a, a ranch-ish oh, yeah. house. Like a ranch yeah. house. Yeah. Um, with like the, the, what is it? The fireplace and the yes. armchair and stuff like that. Just like a cozy, a cozy um little spot for her. It's like. Uh, the landscape, though, that was described, I immediately pictured Scotland. It was yeah, like greenery of the hills and, and hills. Yeah, exactly. And it's, she also has like horses that came with the property that she like takes care of and stuff. And she rides them in and out and things like that. Question, who takes care of these animals when she's not there? Because she said there are no servants. Right. There's nobody to like upkeep the land. She does that. So I'm like, how often do you go back to feed these horses and clean out their stables and... Or does it just like magically do it? You have to do that every day if you're doing it yourself. I was like, Sarah, that hole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so that was more, that was interesting to like read something from from her perspective. Like when Eris found her in front of the autumn court. It made me want the more, like it made me want the entire story. Do you know what I mean? Like not just this little bit that we know of and now we got a little more description of it. I want to know from beginning to end, from the moment she slept with Cassian, what was the outcome? Who found out? Who tattletailed on her? What went down? You know what I mean? To Obviously, she was tortured by her family. And then they discarded. Like, I want the entire story. What the hell was Eris thinking at that exact moment in time? You know what? Because he was with a group of people and you know how he always plays I guess, well, now we know that he plays a part or a role. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm thinking that he did ask her. He was like, I'm assuming that you don't want to stay here more. And so he's like, if we touch her, she becomes our property and she has to stay here. And I know she doesn't want to stay here. So it's like, we physically- What do we do? Yeah. We cannot help her. We have to leave her here. We have to go. But the way that he went about it, like- Was fucked up. I'm not going to lie. It was fucked up. But this is why- because everything we've read in the previous book, it showed that there might be more to Eris. There might mm-hmm. be a little more going on. He obviously, he might actually have a conscience. We read it from Moore's perspective. So I'm like, okay, I want to read it from Eris's perspective. I want to know what the fuck went through his head. Also, I want to know, does he know that more could be by? It makes me sit and wonder, like, maybe he discovered it. Maybe he found out. So like it just made me sit and be like, okay, I need chapters from from Eris's perspective now. Yeah, I I completely completely agree. Also, going back to Cassian's perspective, uh, in the very beginning, we get to learn more about his mom. Maybe Cassian. I yeah, we get to learn more about his mom. So his mom, um, I don't think that his mom was a whore, but they called her a whore. I think seemed like more of like she was a single mother. 
Yeah. So what and it sounds like is that she was a single mom and like, I guess that's unheard of in Illyria. So they called her a whore because yeah. she was a single mom. Yeah. Yeah. And they physically took Cassian from her to be thrown into the Illyrian camps. At three! And then when he tried to go back and find her, he had discovered that she had died and they wouldn't tell him where they buried her. Like they, he was like, they probably refused. just disregarded her body. They refused, flat out refused yeah. to tell him. And yeah. so he turned that entire village to ash, bro. With Reese ah! and Az's help. He was like, well, fuck mm-hmm. it. None of y'all leaving. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, but that's also why he feels so strongly about training the female Illyrians as warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I found that to be really interesting and um, a good character building moment for him as well. It made me love Cassian more. I liked Cassian before. Yeah. And it made me realize he really is of a big softy, regardless that he yes. portrays himself as cocky and, you know, all this stuff. And to me, Cassian needs to be protected at all costs. At oh, all costs. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? Like, that's it. Which is why I'm so fucking pissed with Nesta. He was talking about how he spent months trying to pick the right gift for her <gasps> for winter solstice. Oh, and my she God. just turned him down like yes yep. and he threw it into the river i was like oh cassian that scene that scene i felt so bad for him it made me upset with nesta it made me sit and be like bitch what the fuck like there was obviously something that went down in wings and ruin and now for whatever granted i know she has trauma i know this this chick has a lot of trauma that she has to work through however You're taking it out on the wrong person. That's her thing. When she feels a certain type of way, she pushes everybody else away. Push other people away, but let Cassian in. Let him in. But that's the thing. She's not like, she's not a cuddly type of, a person. And it's just like, I, I I get it. It's like, I'm playing devil or devil's advocate for her. And I get it. I get that you are hurt. I get that you are traumatized. I get that you want to protect yourself at all costs. So you push other people away. But Cassian literally declared his love for you as you were going to die. Like, both of you were going to die. No, he said there was, like, there wasn't enough time, but we'll make time in the next life. I was like, Cassie, yeah! (laughs) I know. I was just like, Nesta, you need to get your shit together because this girl, this ain't it. So jumping from Cassie and Nesta, like th- that was another thing. Like as we just spoke about uh, Nesta, she basically like reverted back into herself, which we kind of saw happening at the end of Wings and Ruin. But I really mm-hmm. thought it would be a better and positive outcome. Then I read this book and I was like, oh shit, no, she no, like she definitely went in the worse. opposite direction. Yeah, she got she, worse. Yeah, all she does is is drink, drink. She also men. take yeah. She just she drinks and she fucks to try to drown out her sorrow. And she's Which, like, yeah, it, it kind of works. This is what I'm saying, though. Like, to me, I like sat there. I was like, okay. I get that it's a coping mechanism. I understand that. But, like, this chick has gone through so much trauma. Here's the issue that I had with the book. So, Thera is trying to help, trying to figure out how to help her sisters. This is the youngest sister trying to figure out how to help the middle and oldest. Every person she asked, whether it was Moore, whether it was Amran, whoever it was that she asked, They would tell her it'll sort itself out. You don't have to, you know, push it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And Feyre ultimately was like, okay, yeah. Like she took that advice and just internalized it. It was like, okay, yeah, I just have to like let it be and stuff. And like, 
now I'm like sitting here as I like had read the, the rest of the book and I was just kind of like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like I was like, the more everybody kept saying it, the more I was like, Feyre, I need you to make your own fucking decisions. I need you to like yeah. actually say, I was like, your instinct of wanting to help them is actually correct. Now, how we go about that is is a different matter. But the more she talked to more and the more she talked to Amran and they were like, oh, it'll just, it'll just help, you know. That, no, that was my thing too. It's like maybe the first couple of months, like let her do what she needs to do. But as you see it progressing and getting worse, worse, then that's when you need to do something because she's basically, it's not like she's working or whatever. She's spending your, your money, money going to the bars right. and your money gambling you pay the, and doing all this you shit. You pay like her rent. enabling her bad decisions. Facts. And you pay her rent. Like that one scene where she was like, when Nesta actually had the audacity, the audacity to be like, my rent's due. I was like. Right. I was like, oh, bitch, you can sleep on the street. Fact, <laughs> if I was fair, I'd been like, I know. And would have walked right out. I would have been like, and? Right. On a happier note, though, one of the other big things, and I think probably the the last thing that I want to talk about for um this was that Reese and Feyre decide that they're going to start trying for a little uh, face and. Yeah. It was so cute how it happened. Like, Feyre really didn't know what to get Reese for winter solstice and didn't want to ask anybody because she didn't, like, she was just like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm his mate. I It just doesn't feel natural to ask anybody. But it was, it's funny because after reading the chapter, it was hinted earlier on that she might be heading in that direction because like she had an instance where she was talking to a woman who lost her husband in the war. Yeah. And the woman is saying, I have nothing of him. We didn't have any children, you know, nothing like that. The only thing I can do is create. And so it's hinted there that Feyre is looking at it. She's really thinking like, obviously it's been planted right there into her head, right? Minus the bone carver already planting it in her head. Right. Books back. And then like, ultimately... They end up celebrating winter solstice, aka her birthday, uh, alone. And she, she kind of down the bond shows Reese what she wants to give him for um, a present. And it's their kid. She wants to start trying for their kid, which is a completely different Feyre from when she found out she was mates with Reese. Right, which is natural. It's like you just found out this is your mate. Yep. You know, you guys are just now starting to spend that type of time together. So yeah. it makes sense. But after everything that they've been through in a court of wings and ruin and watching him die. Die. Yeah. She's kind of like, all right. And I wanted to ask you that too. Like, do you feel like this is a decision that she's actually truly comfortable with? Or do you feel like she's rushing into it because she's afraid of what she will not have if something happens to either of them? I don't I don't think that she's thought this through, honestly. And as we know, Feyre is very um, strong-headed and she mm-hmm. just runs at things without really thinking. I think- <laughs> Yes, oh my God. <laughs> I think that with her heart, she's sitting there and she's like, if something were ever to happen to me or Reese, then one of us would have something of the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think for Feyre, I think what it was, was she really sat and thought about it. She's like, I could lose Reese at any time. And like, we could end up going to war at any time and I would have nothing or he would have nothing of her. The decision was made emotionally. 
Logically, no. Because right now, I would sit here and yeah. I would be like, logically, this isn't the time. You got way too much shit happening. You got Illyria's Rebellion. You got trying to figure out boss's situation. You got a whole nother, probably a whole nother like, type of person showing up or whatever. I was like, nah, this isn't the time for this. This is, You got to deal with Nesta. You got to deal with Elaine. Tamlin's on the fucking, like, out there. Oh this is not God. the time for a child. But <laughs> Tamlin is literally ready for somebody to come into his house and end his life. Yo, when, when Reese said the house isn't warded at all, like somebody yes. can legitimately just walk up and kill him, I was like, Tamlin. Jesus. Like, Tamlin. Tamlin. But yeah, I think, I don't think Farrah thought about it logically. I think emotionally, she's like, this is what I want. And of course, Reese made it very known he wants kids. It's not. Mm-hmm. And he's he's been alive longer. He's a fucking senior citizen. Of course he wants kids. <laughs> and I think Farrah... <laughs> I think Feyre is in a in a place where she'd do anything to like make Reese happy. Yeah, I agree. Like she, I think not to say that it's it's toxic. I don't I don't think the relationship is toxic. I just think she. This is the first time that she's loved somebody truly and deeply, and so she just wants to do whatever she can to make him happy. And Reese has said that like um, having a baby is very rare. It's really hard for them to get pregnant. Right, because he was saying that it could take years, and she was like, "Well, we have nothing but time." Exactly. I mean, true. They're not dying anytime soon. So hopefully, knock on wood. Shit. I mean, Reese already died, so <laughs> don't don't say that. Don't say that. Oh my god. So yeah, that's pretty much all that I wanted to talk about in the book. Were there any other like key points that you thought needed to be brought up? I don't think there was any key points in this book. Yeah, I think I think this book was more of just like um, how do we how do we explain it? Like like an in between. It was a kind filler. Of to, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a yeah. filler to, and also a filler to like set up little things for the next book. But I don't think it. I don't think this book had any like serious points that like I wanted to drive home or really talk about. It was a filler episode. That's what it was. Yeah, it was a filler episode, pretty, pretty much. And I felt like it set up, like you said, one very small thing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even two very small things for the next book. But if you did not read this book and just went straight to a court of silver flames you would have been fine i think so too honestly but um in that i will say that i rated it a three. Oh, <laughs> i'm sorry it's just it it didn't capture my interest it was very repetitive and i didn't really feel like there was anything new that i gained from this okay so yeah i gave it a three i think i would give it a four i enjoyed you're very generous. The... <laughs> no, I actually enjoyed this this like filler book. I enjoyed the little time of peace that they have, right? Like this whole little the spot. Granted, some of it made me really pissed off with certain characters, but I liked the insight of, okay, when they're not at war and they're not at each other's throats, <laughs> what's going on? You know what I mean? This like that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I I don't know. You know me. I like the drama. I need the I drama. I need the action. But it was, it, I think this was a cute, like funny uh, book to like show you how the inner circle interacts with, with each other on a regular basis. Yeah. Like the jokes with Amran not knowing how to fucking use the toilet, like. Oh. But I think I think it was a cute book. I just want to see where this bitch pisses herself. I'm just saying, <laughs> what was she doing prior? She was in a high fade body. You telling me she didn't pee? No, because she didn't need to. She didn't have the need to relieve herself. Oh my! I want to see Amran in diapers. <laughs> Very just like this is a whole new thing for me. This is not what I expected. Right. I did not expect to be potty training my girlfriend, bro. Like 
Can you imagine? He probably is potty trained. He's like, babe, you gotta, you gotta, you see that handle? You got you gotta pity. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 That's, that's basically it. That is a court of frost and starlight. And yeah. I also wanted to ask you, did you notice that the title of the book was the title of the painting that Feyre said she was going to make of Asriel and Elaine? I did not put that together. I did yeah, not put that I'm pretty together. Sure, I'm pretty sure because she was like, she was looking at them interacting. I think it's when he gave her truth, truth teller. teller. Yeah. That's why I was really hoping that maybe something else would pop off. Like, again, yeah. I don't want her to be with Asriel, but I thought like maybe because the name of the book, the name a of the book, more context right, into their relationship. Right. Yeah. But anywho, we are finished with A Quarter Frost and Starlight and we are going yeah. to be moving on to, drumroll please. <laughs> A Court of Silver Flame. Yeah, I've already started. Oh, girl, I've already started too. Oh, trying my to, God! Just, trying to read that big-ass book on the plane, smushed with Between people? people? <laughs> I was just, I was literally in the corner like, I just want to turn the page. <laughs> I can't turn the damn page. <laughs> yes, but um, we are going to go ahead and read up until chapter 14. So chapters yes. 1 through 14 of A Court of of Silver Flames and discuss that on our next episode. So excited for that one. I know. I can already tell you right now, Ness is getting on my fucking nerves. Facts! (laughs) Facts! I'm already like... When we get to it. I'm already like, Cassian can do better. (laughs) You telling me. You're telling me. But we'll get to it when we get to it. I cannot wait to talk shit about Nesta, bro. Yeah. I saw... Wait. Okay, so really quick before we go. I saw on... On, on Facebook, somebody was like, Favor's biggest mistake was not letting her, her family starve to death. Yo! Damn! I was like, oh shit. Not gonna lie, you think that keeps her up at night? Just like, you have to deal with these damn people. Right, these bitches getting on my nerves every single moment of every day. Oh my um, gosh. But anywho... You guys, don't forget to follow us on social media at YA at Heart Podcast on TikTok and on Instagram. Yeah. So with that, we want to say hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Keep on listening. And we love you guys. Yay. Always say YA at Heart. Bye. Bye.